Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games, where every episode starts by me saying that and not just yelling, all right. Who's me? Me is Ali, and that's James. How's it going, James? What's up, brats and homies? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We're all well-dressed, and it's 1997. Just kidding. It's 2019. What a year. And now it's over. We learned so much. We plumbed the depths of depravity and sadness. And somehow, we had time to play all of these video games. Now we're going to rank them. It's a lot of games that we've played this year. Yeah. Who won 2019? Who? Uh, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, um, I'll stop talking like that and say, this is our year-end wrap-up episode. Wow. Wow. Um, You may not know this, but we worked on this show uh, all year. We started playing games and coming up with ideas in January. We recorded the first episodes in February, and then we started releasing them in March. So, I mean, and we did basically at least one episode a week for most of the year. It's been a whirlwind. Yeah. But yeah, so we've worked on this show all year. It's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us and listening and bullshitting with us on the internet. It's been great. I think it's been a good first year. I yeah. mean, we've got a lot of listens. We've got a lot of fans. Friends in the Discord. Um, built a little tiny community that's not full of shitheads yeah so it's great interacting with the people that listen to our show yeah it's super fun and i'm really glad that you know we were able to do that just because i think coming from a music background that's like super crucial to playing music because so much of it is done in person and you know you're performing in front of people you end up being part of a community whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But I think with internet stuff, it's easy to just sort of stay in your corner and it's really nice to go out and find people to bullshit with. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Also, because who the fuck else is going to talk to us about this shit? You know, like <laughs> if you guys don't. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's it. I don't have any friends. I mean. <laughs> no, nobody fucking <laughs> likes me, dude. I have the personality of a chainsaw. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to run down our top five, although there's not really any ranked order to this, uh, but we're going to run down our top five games, uh, horror games of 2019 for each of us. And then we're going to run down our favorite non-2019 games that we played for the show. Mm, yeah yep uh there's also going to be a zero brightness plus where we talk about our favorite non-horror or off-topic games of the year so that's another top five from each of us so patreon.com slash zero brightness you know the drill by now this episode is brought to you by you uh there is no game club this week because games are canceled (laughs) <laughs> no more games 2020 it's christmas games are canceled <laughs> you have to come yeah. out here and talk to your father he seems very forlorn so i'm really bad at end of year lists because it's hard for me to remember what happened last week uh-huh you know let alone what happened in january yeah yeah so basically i have to like 
just Google 2019 games <laughs> and like stare at my computer screen for an hour like a dumbass and try to figure out what the hell I actually played this year. Yeah, I'm much <laughs> the same. Uh, I think it was easy for me to pick two or three for all these categories, but to get up to five was weirdly challenging. But uh, mm. I enjoyed the challenge. Yeah, it, it was fun to do. I think it's I think it's funny that you don't like rating games, but you like end of your lists. Yeah. So. Well, it's like I really like playlists. I like well because I like mixtapes. My whole life, mm. I've I've had a huge love for making people mixtapes and getting mixtapes from people and stuff like that. And I really like mm -hmm. that format. To me, an unranked list is the same as a mixtape. Mm. So okay. that's why I like it. And I also like organizing thoughts. Like, mm -hmm. the longer I work on art and projects, the more value I put in, like, organizing your thoughts into a little list. So... Mm. It's kind of like half grocery list, half mixtape. <laughs> it's a Trello board of your life. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I like this stuff, but I don't like ranking because it's usually like meaningless. It's like, I don't know, was this better than anything else? I kind of have a number one for this year, though, that said. See, I'm just mm. full of shit, I guess, is the moral of the story. <laughs> Get off your high horse, man. Yeah, dude. Gamers rise down. <laughs> Gamers sit down. Gamers sit down. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, let's talk about the best horror games of the year. So I made a list. And then <laughs> games, you were like, yeah, but one thing. Right. Yeah. We were supposed to do top five each, but uh, our top fives were 80% the same. So... <laughs> We'll just do our collective top six. How about that? Yeah, because I, I actually... <laughs> yeah, so I had, like, basically the one that you wanted me to swap out was an honorable mention for me. Perf. Because it was so good. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Um, I'll kind of jump around here, but uh, let's get started. Let's talk about the obvious pick, obviously. <laughs> Resident Evil 2 Remake. Uh, yes, number one, the end, game of the year. Stop. <laughs> Show over. Uh, that actually wasn't the obvious number one I was talking about for me. But What? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> it is the obvious number one for everyone. Yeah. Because it's for just everyone. so good. It's really like the perfect Resident Evil game. Or at least as perfect as they've gotten so far. I think the thing I like about it so much is... If you look at the whole series history and you look at just the mud pile they made of that series, like the really good stuff and the really bad stuff, and you mixed everything together into one game, this is the perfect <laughs> game. Well, it's creepy as hell. It, it's actually legitimately scary. Mm -hmm. um, the controls are rock solid. Mm -hmm. The shooting is you know physical and visceral um the shooting's just fucking great and that's you know the controls and shooting being great are something you don't usually say about resident evil games so yeah they just they nailed the feel they nailed the atmosphere and they just made whatever the original resident evil 2 was good at they just enhanced all of it and took out the bad stuff yeah 
totally no i 100 percent agree but yeah it's like it's just that rare latter-day resident evil game that's just not confused about what it is it's not agonizing over whether to be a horror game or an action game it's like a great horror game that has great action it's a perfect length highly replayable it looks great it's just Mm -hmm. a super fun game and yeah it's also just a really nice uh evolution of resident evil 7 you know uses the same engine uh has a lot of similar mechanics and animations but it's just so much better as a gameplay experience yeah i mean the nemesis is one of the best antagonists of all of horror gaming Mm -hmm. at this point I mean, he was cool in the original RE2 and RE3, but uh, yeah, uh, he, he the, the the way his look is in this game is iconic. Uh, yeah, everything about it. He became a meme, you know. Yeah, totally nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, it's super great. Uh, if you haven't played it yet, you should find a way to play it because it's fantastic. Um, absolutely class stuff also yeah, and it's like super cheap now mm-hmm. i also get it for like 15 bucks or less yeah i also think it did fan service really really well like you know oh yeah letting you use the original soundtrack or you know letting you swap out costumes and stuff like that i mean i don't usually go out for that stuff it is the only piece of dlc i've ever purchased in my life which was the day one <laughs> option to have the original soundtrack but it's like they they just nailed it. I forgot they charge people for that. Yeah. I, I take it all back. <laughs> Three out of ten. Yeah, but it's like, I bought it, man. I just needed it, and, you know, I'm the sucker, so whatever. That OG soundtrack is fucking sick, though. Oh, Playing that with the modern game was just, like, so perfect. Yeah. No, yeah. totally. So, so, so <laughs> good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, classic. Um, yeah, you know, you can go listen to our episode about it if you want to mm-hmm. hear us talk about it more. But I mean, it's not perfect. There's like, you know, the Ada Wong part. It's not great. Yeah. The Heidi Sherry part is not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but whatever. As a whole thing, it's you have to play it. You yeah. Gotta. Yeah, absolutely. Super good game. Okay. Next on the list. Uh, one for me is kind of a come from behind victory. Like, I don't know. It's just over the course here. I realized I like love this game and that was Mm. lost in vivo. Yeah. I mean, gosh, we did that for what the second episode or third episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's stuck with me and I wanted to revisit it. Um, just a great real chunky indie first person, silent hill love letter. Yeah, totally. It's really just a triumph of atmosphere. You know, the Mm. visuals, the sound, the whole atmosphere is just so heavy and sad and dense that you can just picture it. Like when you think of the atmosphere in that game, you can just see it in front of you. And that's such a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Such a good game. Yeah, um, I think it it handles things like depression and isolation in like real subtle ways and it it kind of gets under your skin it can be hypnotic at times uh i think it's great yeah yeah totally and i should also mention i mean i guess technically this game came out at the end of 2018 but 
it it was real it was like november or something and it exited beta this year so the game is now mm. super solid it had a, a big graphical upgrade it runs really well um absolutely worth playing it's super cheap uh always i think <laughs> um yeah, I, I can't recommend this game enough. It's got the Silent Hill vibes, but it's also a first-person exploration game, mostly. Like, there's some combat, but it's mostly all about the exploration. And and, and it's for sure, like, its own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's clearly a Silent Hill love letter, but at the same time, it's got its own unique vibe. Yeah, totally. And, like... I don't know. It's also part of a trend that I'm super here for, which is people trying to revisit older aesthetics from, you know, classic video games, but reimagining them in their own way. Like, Mm. Lost in Vivo is sort of what your brain dreams a PS1 game looked like, but it super did not. (laughs) Like, Right. Yeah. There's another game this year that I have been meaning to check out because I really like the original that does that same art style called Anodyne 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it looks like a Nintendo 64 game. Yeah, but like the way you remember a Nintendo 64 game looking yeah. and not an actual yeah. Nintendo 64 game, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like that type of art style. I'm super here for it, and I think Lost in Vivo does it really well. And yeah, like you said, it's... It's definitely an homage to a lot of elements of Silent Hill, but it's subtle. It's not annoying. You know, it's not over the top. Uh, Yeah, really great game. But yeah, just it was kind of like we were talking about when we did the I'm Scared episode, which I'm Scared kind of has a slightly similar aesthetic and visual style. Um, Mm -hmm. Those types of games, just both those games really got under my skin. Like the horror being so psychological and personal combined with the weird you know low res art style and all that shit really got under my skin and it was really really creepy in a way that (laughs) i don't think any other games this year really like affected me in that way low res can be really creepy yeah not gonna lie oh yeah yeah glitchy stuff is creepy i mean anything that relies on the power of suggestion i think that's it yeah yeah yeah, use of light and dark in the game and the the sort of very simplistic enemies and all that. Super cool. But yeah, great, great game. I got to play that one again. Yeah, totally. I definitely went back and played it again after we did that episode. Um, that was definitely the start of the show. But yeah, I just noticed like I brought it up so many times in other episodes and I was like, man, you I did, like, yeah. really liked that game. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is me putting a cap in that and hopefully I'll shut the fuck up. <laughs> until part two comes out until part two um okay so another game you know this is weird because i didn't see this on any year end lists it didn't really get the coverage that the its predecessor did totally blew my mind observation <sighs> yeah it it kind of came and went without any fanfare at all yeah what the fuck uh, maybe it got buried in the negativity of the Epic Game Store exclusivity or something. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. So, yeah, this was the 2019 release from No Code, the developers of Stories Untold, which we covered for the show, which we both really, really liked. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is a new game, Observation, and it's amazing. I think it's <laughs> better than Stories Untold. 
Uh, it's a totally different kind of game that I think has some of the same ideas in it, but they're just executed in a much more, uh, you know, satisfying and like holistic way. Uh, it doesn't really rely on a ton of structural stuff or like, uh, you know, twists or anything. It's more just like this weird tunnel of crazy shit that just keeps getting crazier. <laughs> well, we briefly mentioned this in a previous episode, but, um, it's one of the most Kubrickian games that's ever been made. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> in observation, you play as a computer's AI. And so what that does is it takes you out of the physical space and make you more an observer of spaces. And I think that's a real interesting play on the old 90s PC adventure games where you're completely detached from what's really going on mm -hmm. and you're watching somebody else do things. Yeah. I think the big difference, I agree with you, but I think the big thing that made this game so much more visceral and fun as compared to the older games in the style or text-based games or something is not just it having great presentation and beautiful graphics, but also that the UI design is amazing. Yeah. And like Absolutely. Yeah, and if you play it with a controller for example, like you can you use, you know, like shoulder buttons and sticks a lot to like manipulate the different interfaces for the things you're controlling. So maybe you're controlling the ship's cameras or you're like accessing some memory databases or something and it makes it all really uh, visceral. Mm -hmm. It's super yeah. cool. Um and, and not wholly unbelievable. Yeah. Totally. Well, yeah, like a lot of the ideas in the game are really interesting. Like you have your own memory bank that you have to draw connections between. Right. So like you can have, you know, two pieces of information, but like you have to draw the connection as an AI to put together another, like a third piece of information, you know, mm -hmm. it's yeah. such a cool game. And initially it kind of seems like oh, it's just got this weird interface and that's like the point of the game. But then it goes on and it's got this crazy fucked up story that's like totally <laughs> nuts. Yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like you get to the point where you're afraid the puzzles are going to become repetitive and then it just gets crazy on you. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't overstay its welcome, you know. It kind of like blows your mind and the credits roll, you know. Yeah, short, super punchy, uh probably the best like plot twists you know i love not only the plot itself but the way they're delivered some really great scenes really great reveals yeah i i'm just so mystified it's like <laughs> i don't know it's like death stranding came out and everybody forgot that other video games existed or some shit mm, yeah i don't know i i really think it's the, the epic store thing and then plus it's sort of just like if you boil it down, it's kind of like an adventure walking simulator, which isn't the most popular popular genre in the first place. I don't right. know. But, yeah, people need to wise up. Yeah. Play, play this fucking game, man. Like, if you listened to our episode and didn't play this game, it's all right. I forgive you. Now <laughs> you have another chance. Do the right thing. I don't know. Yeah, Epic's doing that crazy sale, right? You got a $10 coupon or some shit? Like... We're epic shills. We're yeah, we love epic. We're cashing epic checks, dude. We sold. We're gonna out. keep shouting. They they gave us all these free games exclusively. <laughs> Nobody else gets them, right? Yeah, that's just me that gets them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, play Shout out to my like 12th free copy of Super Meat Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, dude. Can't get enough of it. Um, okay. Observation. Do it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about yeah. the two picks that were unique to each of our lists, which are not really, sure. but it's our top six now. So, um, so my pick was Bloodstained, mm-hmm. uh, the Castlevania reboot by Koji Garashi and <laughs> a bunch of indie studios. Symphony Moon something. Yeah. Bloodstained. <laughs> Bloodstained. Uh, I really, really loved this game. I We talked about it in the episode, but to me it was kind of like a dream game because I loved the Game Boy Advance Castlevanias so much and they had felt like this weird forgotten corner of video game history. I just felt like Mm. nobody played these games. And then Bloodstained comes out and it's like, holy shit, they're back. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I I couldn't be happier. Uh, I think those games are amazing. Bloodstained, if you look at it in that lineage, is it's even better. Uh, it's great. I mean, it's a we talk about in the episode. It's definitely rough around the edges, but mm-hmm. man, the core of it is rock solid. The variety in ways you can play it later in the game is really fun. I mean, you can just be a a barefist brawler, or you know, swing around a giant broadsword, or you know, and you can do all these like. Uh, stat exploits like crank your luck out and just like do critical hits on everything mm-hmm. um, it's very experimentation forward in terms of gameplay you can just get so much variety out of it if you like to experiment with stats you know yeah uh, yeah it's so fun it's just all <laughs> about fun and all those systems are all about fun like mm-hmm breaking the systems and fucking around with them it's just so entertaining and it was funny i felt like some of the more middling reviews of this game were complaining about how it just didn't seem as like tight or well presented as more modern metroidvania games sure but to me i actually had the opposite experience where it kind of ruined all the newer ones like i i played a bunch of newer (laughs) metroidvania games this year you know, I tried a bunch of them, but I played through uh, Blasphemous and Hollow Knight. And mm-hmm. yeah, like I actually didn't like those games as much once I played Bloodstained because it was like, mm-hmm. man, it was just so fun. And those games were so on the like Dark Souls vibe that I was right. like, man, yeah. I don't fuck this man i want to go back to cooking curries and smacking bats in the face and shit dude like that's what i like <laughs> yeah the the cooking is really well done the crafting is really well done mm-hmm. uh usually that kind of stuff i don't like in games it just gets so heavy-handed mm-hmm. but i don't know they just did it in a fun way with this one yeah you don't have to do anything if you don't want like yeah yeah <laughs> that's why it's so good like I mean, the game's not perfect. Um, the story is just throwaway. I mean, just skip it, because it's not, like, interesting at all. Yeah. Um, and there's some areas that are just kind of like... It seems like they didn't get enough time to cook in the oven or something. They, they just seem real basic. Like, some of the cave areas and things like that. But 
Yeah, I mean, come on. It's a great game. It's great. It's definitely like it expects you to have played Castlevania before. You know, especially Symphony of the Night. It expects that you kind of know what you're getting into. You just jump into this game, and it's fucking fun as hell. I don't know. I... This is another one that I felt like some of the response to was muted in a way that seemed kind of like weird or like unfair. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I don't really care. I didn't make the the game, but (laughs) it was just weird because I I just feel like I liked it so much more than a lot of other people. But it's great. I love it. I know they probably have a sequel cooking and I'm super looking forward to that. Yeah, dude. Serve it up. I'm eating that hot curry, (laughs) dude. Let's do it. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. And then, so this for me, this is like my number six. This is maybe more like your number four or something, (laughs) Uh, which is The Blair Witch. Yeah. I mean, so I I didn't want to vote Bloodstained just because it's not like horror horror. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. All the other games on this list are like right in the horror wheelhouse. Bloodstained is more of an action game with, you know, horror themes, right? Yeah. Uh, Blair Witch is a horror game, like straight up. Yeah. And so it's the best blooper team game. Yeah. So it's probably number five on my list. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's got the the blooper team kind of blockbuster look and feel. Um, just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, narrative heavy. Um, super psychedelic. And gets in your head, um, does a bunch of mind-bindy things just like any other Bloober Team game would do. Uh, they add puzzles. It's like, what, their fifth game and they finally add puzzles to the game? <laughs> and combat, sort of. A little bit of combat. You don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's there. Flashlight combat. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> um, it's not too long. Uh, it's got some corny stuff, like uh, the heavy-handed, you know, like, spoiler alert, PTSD themes, things like that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it gets corny. Sometimes, like, the, the some of the monsters get corny. But overall, it's a great horror experience. Yeah. I loved it's it. It's just gorgeous, too. Just, like, being lost in the woods. Like, holy crap. Yeah. I, I really love this game. It was great. Uh, definitely one of the best of the year. I think it had a similar thing as Bloodstained to me, which is like, oh, finally. Because Bloodstained was like finally getting to see like a bigger (laughs) budget version of a GBA Castlevania game. This was like finally getting to see Bloober Team realize the thing that you've been waiting for them to realize, you know? It's like, you know they can make a game like this and they just haven't yet. And... It finally did. It's great. It uses the license really well. It's not super heavy-handed, like, trying to tie it into the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just more like the general vibe and atmosphere. Super creepy. Once again, kind of like Lost in Vivo, a triumph of atmosphere. Like, if you like being lost in the woods, boy, howdy. Like, <laughs> this is the game for you. You can pet the dog. You can pet the dog. Giant plus. You, like really bond with the dog yeah he's the best boy you can check on him (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's a good dog Blair Witch went from walking simulator to like a little bit of horror adventure 
Yeah. There's some simple, like, Silent Hill-style puzzles, maybe even simpler, you know, like, get the thing to make the machine work kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 it at least puts enough meat on the bones to make it feel like a game versus, you know, like, Layers of Fear 2 just being, like, a haunted house attraction. Yeah. Totally. I, I totally agree with that. And that's, yeah, kind of what I was getting at earlier. I mean, I've just been waiting for Bloober Team to, like, get their shit together and, like, fix the mechanics in their game, but also realize that, yeah, you need a little bit more going on to keep the player interested. I think this mm-hmm. game has it, and it was very, very enjoyable to play. And once again, you know, just like with Observer, it makes me really excited to see what they do next. You know? Yeah. I mean... Okay, Layers of Fear 2 is probably the worst game I played all year. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, for those sure. fucking dudes and dudettes know how to do atmosphere, right? Yeah. They're doing something right, even in their worst game. Yeah. So they just need to make it a good game. You know? <laughs> and I think Blair Witch is like a giant first step for that. And so is uh, Observ- Observer. You know, yeah, I think that you know we'll end the the next game, which is you know the last one to talk about from this like best of the year thing, um, mm-hmm. along with observation and Blair Witch. It was really the year of walking simulator type games coming into their own. Uh, I think walking simulators has been a really fraught genre. Like even the people who are most enthusiastic about making them and marketing them don't really know what to do with it. You know, it's (laughs) like we talked about in some of our earliest episodes, they're like the most sort of anti game games of all time. And so there's a big tension between this sort of new experimentation and just classic game design. And I think this year was really awesome to see all these different games figure out different ways to integrate classic gameplay and game design into these type of games. Cause it's a very powerful genre. It's a really cool way to present an experience. Yeah. I mean, at their worst walking simulators or something like a fucking screensaver you're playing, you know? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, once they blossom into like an interactive world environment, uh, you know, with things to figure out, you know, it, it, it makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah. For sure. And once again, it's just like satisfying not only to see it come into its own, but to see these kind of big horror experiences that don't need you to like do combat or don't need you to do like stereotypical video gamey shit. Cause that's what totally. I'm, I'm here for that, man. I want oh, that. Yeah. Which brings me to the game that for me was my like unquestionable number one, like best game I played this year, which is Devotion. Yes. Thanks, Taiwan. Thank you, Taiwan. And sorry about what happened. Sorry about the whole gulag thing. Yeah, so obviously we covered this in our episode on devotion and detention, but Red Candle Games, the maker of this masterpiece, uh, basically got in trouble immediately uh, with the Chinese government game got pulled off of services never went back up they sort of have disappeared they did one quick little like email interview with someone and they sounded very scared uh it's super sad super fucked up situation um it's just i don't know it's sad because it's like another example of you know 
the Chinese government just like being not cool that is just going to keep escalating and I'm I'm sort of upset preemptively because I feel like some of this stuff is just going to get swept under the rug in the future when these things do have to be reckoned with Um, sure and it's sad because this game is really fantastic not just as a game but as like a piece of art and a piece of political commentary Red Candle Games their shit is super political and it's really fucking good everyone should play it detention's great but Devotion hot damn what a fucking game dude yeah I mean you know besides all the negative press this game got because of its criticism of the Chinese president um it's it's a it's a real shame that people never really got to play it because it it says so much more than just being critical of the Chinese president oh yeah you know? for sure um, Yeah, I mean, it's basically a story about a dysfunctional family that's told through multiple viewpoints. It has a very non-linear storytelling style that's very surreal and dreamlike uh, Mm -hmm. in a way that's, it can be really scary and atmospheric. Um, This game gets super scary, but it's also very beautiful and sad. There's long stretches of it that are just very, like, moving and emotional. Uh, It's... I don't know it's really it's it's really like engaging to play you know and just Mm -hmm. like interact with the world even though it's missing all those you know quote-unquote traditional game elements you know yeah well it's it's a horror game but its themes deal with societal norms of like uh, family member roles Mm -hmm. right it's it's about uh, a mom dad and a daughter and they're all like struggling within their roles that society has put them in. You know, dad has to be the provider that's hardworking, and when they hit hard times, like the shit hits the fan, and dad loses it. Um, the daughter wants to be a singer on TV, and so the parents push her so hard that, like, she gets like physically ill from anxiety. The right. mom, the mom has to be you know like the homemaker and take care of everything she has to quit her career to become these become this like traditional taiwanese mom role you know right right so it's it's about people like giving up on their dreams and you know their family their personal lives falling apart within that uh right. really interesting stuff yeah, and, you know, it's it's a horror adventure game, and it's like tackling all this really interesting stuff. It's so in a very artful way, tasteful way. Yeah, great stuff. It's just like so high level, and just compared to like everything else, it's like whoa, what the fuck? This is nuts. Like, yeah, this is some real like capital A art shit, dude. Like, it's really <laughs> good. Well, and even just like so, I love when I mean, I love when anything can wrap its themes into its aesthetics. Um, but especially in games, we can actually have design elements and presentation elements that wrap into the themes. And this game does that so well. Like the first, you know, big image in the game is like you going through a door into an older version of the same room. Right. Yeah. And keep like continually jumping around in time, being shown all these different images and just the way that it plays with time and space, you know, which is like sort of, you know, as a representation of your character or a character or something like 
thinking through what led them to the scenario that they're in in the actual like present day of the game it's so cool and it's like (laughs) it's clearly inspired by pt like a lot of these types of games are but it pushes it into somewhere totally new and i mean you can listen to our layers of fear 2 episode if you want but like (laughs) a big part of the episode was just being like this is so like devotion is so far past this like it just made that game feel like so just like chintzy you know yeah 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 uh devotion is like if layers of fear was made by a people that had something to say yeah you know what i mean totally totally and that's also why like the game's twists and the narrative beats and stuff land really hard because there's not just like you know heart and soul behind it but there's also messaging and it's really cool and yeah it's just man such a bummer I mean, it's probably a poignant time and place thing, too. Yeah. Because, you know, it came out in Taiwan, 2019. You know, Hong Kong's on fucking fire. Right. They're going to lose their sovereignty in, you know, a couple decades. Who knows what's going to happen to China? You know, all this concentration camp news shit's coming out of China. And then, like, little girls are getting packs of Christmas cards with, like, notes saying, like, help me, I'm, like, a fucking Chinese, you know, work prisoner yeah in a work camp you know yeah yeah i mean how poignant can a scary video game be yeah in terms of the you know world it's crazy well and and i do hope that it does usher in or at least helps to usher in an era of game makers realizing that just as the horror genre has done in every other media uh it can be even in games a really powerful medium for spreading social messages and you know discussing political realities that's always mm-hmm. been a strength of the horror genre it's really only in video games that you got that weird apolitical thing but that's you know classic video games well and then also you have companies like valve and the epic store mm-hmm. um blizzard cuddling up to the chinese government so, oh yeah i mean Anyway, hopefully things stay subversive and it's not just like, you know, whatever. More weird <laughs> porn games. Cancel Steam. <laughs> Cancel everything. Shut off the sun 2020. That's my campaign. Shut off the sun. Yes. <laughs> Bundle up, babies. <laughs> it's going to be a long winter. winter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can't get devotion. No one's played it. We got to start uh, sharing the link, dude. <laughs> just DM me, y'all. DM James. I, I expect 300 DMs after this episode airs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hit him up. He'll get you that shit. He'll get you that good, good. Just don't just don't tell anybody where you got it. Do not drop the name. Do not drop the pin on my man. <laughs> uh, so is that our top six? That was our top six. Yeah. Wow, what a year. I mean... I kind of went into this thinking like, I don't know. I'm never sure if it's a big year for horror games or not. Cause sometimes it just isn't. <laughs> I kind of think it was this year, you know? Cause we also got some really high profile stuff that we just shit all over, you know, <laughs> like layers of fear too, baby. And man of Medan. Remember that game? <laughs> Ugh, I'd rather not. Uh, dude, I still want my money back, dude. Big. Oh man. A big shout out 
to the bloody, disgusting, best horror games of 2019 list. Did you see that shit? No. It is terrible. Most of them are... Their number one is, like, Control, which is... Alan Wake 2. Not a horror game, also? I I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be gatekeepy about it, but it doesn't really seem like it's horror. Gatekeepy? Uh, Fuck them. They didn't even respond to my email. (laughs) Fuck you, bloody disgusting. You listening? Suck my ass. (laughs) Dude, their top 2019 list is amazing, though. It has uh, has Man of Medan on it. See, uh, fuck them. They need us. Yeah. They, they need, need us, us, dude. They don't have any fucking taste. Um, Who, who's writing their video game shit? I don't know. They know movies. They don't know video games. They need us. <laughs> Bloody disgusting. Listen, guys. Zero brightness podcast at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. They also put Glass Staircase on there. God. Fuck. Oh, and Mortal Kombat 11 and Sekiro. Sekiro is not a horror game, right? Like, I think everyone. Well, it's spooky. Sekiro's got spooky stuff. Yeah, but I mean, is Dark Souls horror? It's mm. it's that tier. Yeah. Is it okay? I didn't know it. it. They kept the horror stuff in it. I didn't play it. I'm mad about this bloody disgusting thing. <laughs> the man of the dead on their list. I'm sorry, dude. I didn't mean to start this. Wow. Okay. What's worse? Okay. Top two worst games of 2019. Layers of Fear Two and Man of Medan. Which is the worst? Oh, Man of Medan for sure. Really? really? I mean. Layers of Fear 2 was, like, more excruciating because it went on for so long, but Mm. it wasn't that much longer than Man of Medan, and it had cool parts. I don't think there was a good part in Man of Medan. Like... You got a point. The good part of Man of Medan was us making fun of it with, like, you... That's what I was going to say. Yeah, you, me, and Monica roasting it over the internet was, like, really funny, but that wasn't in the game. <laughs> yeah. And I bet we would have roasted Layers of Fear 2 in the same way. Yeah. But so. we also would have had to stop and be like, oh, that's cool. A few times. Yeah. So. You, so you guys heard it first. Uh, Bloody Disgusting is the worst website of 2019. Okay. No. I like Bloody Disgusting. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I know. I just like couldn't believe that list. It was like. Yeah. Which one of y'all let your crazy little cousin write this? And can we not next year? Like, <laughs> fuck. I mean, everybody's got an opinion, but... Everybody's got a crazy little cousin. <laughs> I mean, at least my opinions are right. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. So, that was our... Those were our favorite horror games of 2019. Um, Mm -hmm. Go play all of them if you haven't yet. They're all great. Uh, They're all on sale now, also, pretty much. Like... Um, go spend some of your uh, non-denominational holiday money. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, go throw some capitalism bucks at those babies. Oh, yeah, dog. Uh, I don't celebrate anything, so I'm just staying home and drinking water. But, um, you know. You can celebrate uh, Resident Evil 3 Remake Day. Oh, yeah. When that drops. That's going to be fun. That's like Christmas for Ollie. Everybody celebrate. <laughs> yeah, dude, it is. I'm actually very excited <laughs> for that. 
Uh, you know, basically the whole reason we started doing this show was so that so that we could go replay old horror games we like and then talk about them. So <laughs> I thought it would be fun to discuss the games that we most enjoyed playing for the show. Um, yeah. I think for me it was all stuff that I was replaying. Uh, you mm-hmm. had one that you hadn't played before. Um, but yeah, you know, just stuff that was really fun to revisit for the show uh, and that we had a good time playing. So maybe we'll totally. go back and forth on this one because we have sure, yeah. totally different lists, actually. Uh, yeah. We don't have the same list, which is great. <laughs> um, okay, so my number one was Silent Hill. Uh, we talked about this in the Silent Hill episode and a little bit in the Deadly Premonition 3 episode, but I mean, I've played this game a bunch of times before. It had been a while, uh, but revisiting it, it was so much better than I remembered it being. Like Totally. A tighter experience, uh, a better you know plot and story, more interconnected with the rest of the games in a meaningful way than I remembered, um, mm. and just super fun like just not nearly as frustrating as i remembered it being right yeah like i mean it's probably been nearly 20 years since i had played this game mm -hmm. so it was really cool for me to revisit not only in a nostalgic way but in a in a way where i could pick up and play it and not feel like it's like a dated piece of shit you know yeah you know there's so many ps1 games you pick up and they just do not stand up to the test of time yeah but somehow silent hill does yeah it like really does um yeah yeah, i think if there's any recommendation from stuff i replayed for the show this year it would 100 percent be silent hill yeah i mean you gotta love that it it oozes raw passion like this Mm -hmm. team had something to say yeah totally yeah well, I think it also benefits from time. Uh, you know, people know what they're getting into for the most part. I think even if you weren't really familiar with this game, like if you listened to our episode on it, you would know what you were getting into. The puzzles are weird and obtuse. The combat's a bit wonky, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. once you know that, it's, yeah, it's just a lot better than it has any right to be. Um, great atmosphere, super good game. Play Silent Hill. Puzzles are super well thought out. Uh, tons of great environmental storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's a low poly PS One game, there's a lot of detail in every environment. Yeah, um, it, it's just a well crafted, well cared for experience. Yeah, it's just great style. I mean, I think a lot of games from that era, it's just hard to convey that much detail and. Silent Hill was really shooting for a level of detail that wouldn't be easy to realize for at least like 10 years after it came out mm-hmm. and somehow somehow they hit the mark. Nailed it. Nailed it. First time. Perfect. <laughs> Good job, boys. <laughs> Good job. All right, James. What's what's first up for you? Yeah, so um it was really fun for me to revisit The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Mhm. Yeah, it's it's kind of a psychological detective-y mystery ghost story. Um, it just lays on the atmosphere thick. Has a bunch of abstract, almost misty style puzzles. Mm-hmm. Nothing too hard. There's a really cool broken narrative story that you slowly unravel. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful uh, photogrammetry 
Um, so um, sometimes, you know, like uncanny valley photorealism. I love it. You know, I'm actually realizing that we're talking about it. Ethan Carter kind of has all the same stuff we were talking about with Silent Hill, but for the walking simulator genre, where it's like <laughs> they kind of just nailed it first try. It's like an earlier walking simulator game, but like it has those gamey elements. It has really cool puzzles you have to solve. It has great interactivity with the world. And it's not really until now that we're seeing games that are kind of nailing it in a similar way. And honestly, everything you just described about Ethan Carter is basically what you could say about Outer Wilds. Hmm. Outer Wilds is just a more abstract sci-fi Ethan Carter. No, super cool game. I loved playing it. It was great. It's always, it's like perpetually cheap. Uh, There's a VR version now, which is probably incredible. If you can stop throwing up in your helmet. (laughs) Well, you don't have to wear like a fishbowl, like NASA helmet while you play it. Mm, No, I think you do. Catch all your vomit. Uh, I think you do. There may or may not be a spaceman involved in Ethan Carter. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah, but it's like the perfect game if you want to like make all your console player friends like jealous <laughs> like, and throw on Ethan Carter and make their eyes melt yeah for sure it's like uh you remember that Max L commercial with the dude like sitting in the chair and the wind like blowing <laughs> him over from how dope the music sounds yeah yeah that's your eyeballs playing Ethan Carter sick <laughs> very <laughs> sick okay so next for me was Onimusha Mm. classic samurai survival horror game uh yeah i played the remastered version on my nintendo switch in handheld while i duplicated over 200 cassette tapes speaking of max l hell um, yes it was really fun i've always loved this game this has been a really easy to replay game for me like the whole time it's been in the world uh, I mentioned in the episode we used to play it over and over and over and having it on the Switch, getting to play it again, it was really fun. Uh, I really can't recommend this game enough. And like we talked about in that episode too, it's held up really, really well. I think a lot of its design choices have kind of trickled down into everything else via Dark Souls. It's mm-hmm. got some of that vibe, but it's a very different. It plays very differently and it doesn't have a similar feel to Dark Souls at all. Well, in terms of gameplay, to be reductive, it's like playing Resident Evil on fast forward with melee weapons. Yeah, Th- that is what it is. I just feel like the the magic, the almost inexplicable magic of this game <laughs> is that somehow that's like really fun because that sounds yeah. horrible <laughs> in totally, the abstract. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> like if you had never played this game, you'd be like, that sounds like the worst thing ever. But it's like... <laughs> The combination of the fact that it's supposed to look like a samurai swordplay Chanbara movie and mm-hmm. the fact that the controls are just uh, th- that much better and slicker than Resident Evil makes it all come together into just like, it's movie magic. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like super short. You can like finish it while you're... I don't know, eating dinner. I don't know. Well, <laughs> it takes yeah, you three hours to eat dinner. Yeah. It's a three hour game. Yeah. Come on. You can finish it while you dub approximately 208 cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're driving from Austin, Texas to Houston, Texas, 
you can play Onimusha while driving and <laughs> maybe get there or maybe die because you're playing a video game while driving. Zero brightness in no way condones playing Nintendo Switch while driving. <laughs> it's the only way to commute. <laughs> oh my God, James. <laughs> All right, what's next for you? I'm going to get a Nintendo Switch built into my cyber truck. Oh my God. I'm going to stop <laughs> talking to you. <laughs> Right. Rise up, gamers. <laughs> no, it's gamers rise down. That's the new rallying cry. <laughs> gamers sit down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's next on your list? All right. Uh, stories untold. Um, nice. Yeah. It's kind of like a little mini series of little bite-sized uh, puzzle adventure, text adventure style things. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, if Creepshow was a text adventure slash puzzle game. Yeah, totally. It's got a great episodic structure. It's got that great 80s throwback aesthetic, but in a way that's really unique and ultimately very surprising and cool. It's not just like, it's the 80s, you know, like <laughs> it. it's worked into the story and into the aesthetics of the different chapters really, really well. Yeah, and then at the end, it ties all of the the four stories together in a way you never expected and yeah. it's really cool oh man such a good game couldn't believe it i loved it where's part two uh, yeah i don't know man stories untold too well observation <laughs> we need stories untold too yeah <laughs> i'm calling it i'm emailing bloody disgusting about it right now <laughs> oh thanks thanks james james is kind of our pr guy if you didn't know <laughs> <laughs> sort of PR, community manager, harassing, bloody, disgusting. It's all part of his job. This was a mistake. <laughs> all of We this. are now hiring for a PR manager. <laughs> Please, somebody. <laughs> uh, okay, so next for me was a game I won't talk about too much because we just talked about it. It's Lone Survivor. Uh, oh, yeah. We yeah. did that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I love this game. I loved it when it came out, and getting to revisit it just reminded me that I still love it. I maybe love it more. Uh, it's a really good game. It's a side-scrolling 2D survival horror game. It shouldn't work, but it does. It's got heavy survival elements. You have to eat and sleep. Uh, you got to make sure you're not too depressed. It's <laughs> wowie zowie. It's a you real the cat. game. You can, once again, I really like a game that isn't just like you can pet the cat. You can befriend the cat. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. You can you can have a little bro relationship with your cat. Oh yeah. God yeah. Damn. I mean, Game Boy Advance, Silent Hill. Like, what's what's there not to like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just so damn good. It's still out there. It's cheap. Uh. If you're playing on PC, it doesn't have controller support, unfortunately, so you have to use a third-party software. It is on uh, Xbox, PlayStation, so you can grab that version and play with a controller. Um, just do it, yeah. man. I mean, so imagine if David Lynch was transported into a Game Boy Advance cart. Yeah. <laughs> like an Animorph? Yeah. <laughs> Plug that bad boy into your GBA? So the thing is... It's my David Lynch impression. He wouldn't play GBA. He would want to play it on uh, the big screen. Yeah. <laughs> you need a, a bigger screen. Such a sadness. <laughs> Watching video games on that tiny fucking screen. <laughs> Fuck you, James. <laughs> Such a sadness. 
get off it you know i love it leave me alone no i'm just paraphrasing the david lynch iphone rant i know but you weaponized it against me in a previous episode and i'm still not over it such a sadness hearing your voice say game whenever he says movie just really traumatized me and i'd like to move on now now if you're playing the game on a telephone you will never in a trillion years experience the game you'll think you have experienced it but you'll be cheated it's a such a sadness that you think you've seen a game on your fucking telephone get real next (laughs) oh uh this is what i picked yeah it's dusk dusk it's like it's like shooting up speedball (laughs) <laughs> but if you're like a PC gaming nerd, yeah, we got fast quake like action. We got blaring heavy metal. Uh-huh. Uh, we got cultists to kill. We got at least 12 polygons per stage. <laughs> uh, at least. <laughs> yeah. It's so sick. Uh, really cool stage design. Three quarters of the way through the game. It throws the rule book out. If you like shooter games old school shooter games at all it's a must play yeah and kind of like in the episode i'm going to offer a little bit of another perspective because i also (laughs) love this game but basically for opposite reasons uh i loved it because it is very much a slow atmospheric psychological horror game when it wants to be Mm, yeah and really knows how to play its pace yes and the back and forth between being a crazy quake style arena shooter and a slow paced very atmospheric uh psychological horror game is brilliant i don't Mm. think i've seen anything else pull it off considering how harsh the contrast is between those two elements in this game like you know it's fantastic it is something that doom the original doom in quake did really well Mm-hmm. Um, offsetting quiet moments between just like balls out action. Yeah. Uh, but Dusk really takes it to another tier. Yeah. That's what I mean. And I think it's, you got to play it if you're a horror fan. Cause like I've, I've said over and over in the show, I don't really like first person shooters. It's not my bag, but oh, this so scary. I love this game. I loved it. It was a great experience. There's an easy mode. I, beat the whole game it was great <laughs> those invisible little windy goes oh, oh god. my god you can't see them and they're scary that fucking sound effect Oof. <laughs> good good stuff yeah play dusk already next on my list evil within i love this game uh i can't wait to cover evil within 2 because i love that game so much mm. uh we discussed it in that episode it was our halloween episode it was a real corker it was super fun um, yeah. to record that episode, but it was just really fun. Like I said in that episode, it was fun to play this game, having played Evil Within 2 and gotten just a totally different perspective on how best to play Evil Within, how best to approach the different areas and chapters of the game. Like, mm. It's really a shame that the game doesn't give you that information the first time through because... On this playthrough for me, you know, that chapter three, four area that really mm-hmm. causes a lot of people to rage quit the game was actually where I had the most fun. 
And like, <laughs> it was just so wild. And it was literally just because I had the right perspective and knew how to do it. It's not like I'm some pro gaming legend. Like I just had this information that the game doesn't give you. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was fantastic. Super fun to play. Obviously it's still a mess and it's still frustrating in parts, but I had a great time. Love it. Yeah. And it's, it's such a epic experience. Like, it's so varied in what it tries to do mm-hmm. and there's so many different um kind of atmospheres uh on different stages it's it's just a wholly unique uh horror action game yeah and we talked about it in the episode too but i think one of the cool things is that it doesn't lose the horror within the action similar to dusk like it knows when it needs to throw you into some weird cinematic bullshit like horror stuff because yeah. you've been shooting too much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And it doesn't take itself too seriously. <laughs> oh yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not perfect, but it's, it's definitely a hoot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I played deadly premonition for the first time this year. Yes. What a hoot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Francis York Morgan has quickly become one of my all-time favorite video game protagonists. Yeah. I mean, how could you not love him? Yeah. Uh, He shares with you his favorite shitty Uh B-movies, his favorite punk rock bands. Yeah. Uh, He seems like a bro you'd want to hang out with. It's, It's a big love letter. It's one of my favorite shows of all time, Twin Peaks. Yeah. And, you know, I could talk about Twin Peaks and Deadly Premonition all day. We kind of did. <laughs> Bore everyone to tears. Uh, I loved this game so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did three episodes on it. Yeah, I mean, this was a huge part of my 2019. I'm going to talk about it more in the Zero Brightness Plus episode for this. But yeah. it was a huge part of my year. I love this game. I'm happy that you got to play it. I'm happy that now even more people are getting to experience it. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a cult classic that really should be a little less culty and a little more classic in the eyes of the world. It's fucking great. Are we safe to say now that the Switch version is the best version of the game? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know that, like, I think Whitney still plays. Whitney Chavis, who was our guest in that part three episode. Still. She's the uh, she's the creator of Welcome to Greenvale.com. Yeah. Huge community member of the Deadly Premonition and Silent Hill communities. Yeah. She even designed the map that comes with Deadly Premonition Origins. Right. So, so she still uses the PC version because for some reason she has like either a cursed or a holy PC that can <laughs> run the PC version of this game perfectly. I don't have that. I can't really get it to run at all. I did one playthrough a while ago before the big Windows update that I Mm. barely, barely squeaked my way through with, like, you know, fucking with INI files and, and like, just save scumming and doing all this crazy shit to get it to work. And, like, it was bananas. And it was such a nightmare. Uh, Mm -hmm. the switch version basically since day one has run well for me it initially had a bunch of audio glitches but i could still play the game no matter what it didn't crash on me uh it's since gotten two updates that seem 
to have fixed all the major issues. I'd say for most people, it's the most stable, easily accessible version of the game. It's right. it's on a list for me. Well, like I said, I'm going to talk about it <laughs> in the in the addendum to this episode. But uh, yeah, it it rips, and you can play it in the bathtub or whatever. Like, come on, you can play it on yeah. the bus or whatever. That's sick, dude. I mean, it's not a perfect game. In fact, it's very far from perfect. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a brave game. Yeah. It does a lot of brave things. And I think it's a rewarding experience, uh, regardless of how completely flawed it is. Yeah. Oh, it's a... Dude, it's a classic. It's always been a classic for me. Um, man, I just have so many good memories of like, playing that with my sister it's just man it's a good time you just got to do it do it yeah and do now there's the like switch god there's like six hours of us talking about it on the internet now so <laughs> okay so uh, last on my list uh was a well, kind of a surprise snuck up on me but fatal frame <laughs> one we played one and two this year we played one and two so two has been my go-to for years i've played two probably like 15 times and I hadn't really played Fail Frame 1 that many times and I really really liked it. I I the thing I really liked about it and the thing that now that raised my estimation of it is that it's basically like a PlayStation 1.5 game. Cuz it's like a sure. PlayStation 2 game yeah. that really feels like a PlayStation 1 game. Mhm. But it's unique. It's unique to me cuz I haven't played it that many times and it is nice because it's like if you wanted to revisit PS1 survival horror, but you just didn't want to deal with like the jankiness of something like Galerians or something like this game is just a little more polished and accessible and it's got a cool story. Super fun. The lore is great. Yeah. The lore is great. Um, legitimately spooky. Legitimately spooky. It's, it's actually scary. Mm hmm. I think like when you're going back and revisiting older games, I mean, like I said, that's like kind of the reason why I wanted to start doing this. It's really nice to find those games that just hit that sweet spot of like, it's not too long. It's not too frustrating. It kind of like hits a bunch of different categories. That's why I kept playing fail frame too. Cause it's like, well, I want to play a game like this fail frame two is just like so slick and fun to play. I'll play that. I would say this one is almost like that, but for PS one type survival horror, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. it's a really cool game and yeah, I really liked it. It's kind of part of my own little personal canon of games I'm definitely going to return to. This game needs a remastering. Put it on Steam. Let's upgrade them textures. Let's make the controls configurable. Mm-hmm. Uh give it to me now. Yeah, I was going to say just as long as they don't butcher it like that Wii version of Fatal Frame 2. Holy I mean, junk. just upscale the PS2 version. Don't even fuck with it too much, you know? Yeah. Maybe balance a couple things if you really want to. Yeah. The controls, some help with the controls and maybe some balancing with how frequently the random ghosts spawn Yeah, would go a long way. And that would be yep. super easy, I think. Come on, Tecmo. Yeah. Do it. Do it for the fans, Tecmo. Do it for me. Do it for the gamers. <laughs> All right, James, you got one more. The Super Nintendo Clock Tower. Hell yeah. I, I chose this for a couple reasons. One, I just needed to 
put a 16-bit game in here. I mean, I, f- I looked at our list and they were lacking of retro. And we did Two. a bunch of retro this year. Yeah, yeah. Two, um, Dario fucking Argento. Uh-huh. Uh, this is like, I mean, we talk about all the games inspired by David Lynch, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Stanley Kubrick and uh, George Romero. So many George Romero games. Mm-hmm. But there's only one Dario Argento game, yeah. and that's Clock Tower. True. And uh, I don't know. I just love that. And it's so unique. It's got a unique flavor, art style. Uh, one of the earliest survival horror games. Uh, you can't fight back. It's one of the games where you have to hide and run. It's a it's a proto hide em up. Uh, m- so many different endings. So many different ways to quote unquote beat this game. Uh, it's a very short experience. Uh, you can replay it multiple times, and I think that's rewarding. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels like a big experiment, and the experiment pays off. Yeah, we talk about it in the episode, but it's very experimental. It's very forward-thinking, and it is actually interesting to play. It's it's a good experiment or experience that I would recommend to people even though it has its frustrating parts and etc 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 really cool game yeah it, it's it, it's so unique there's nothing like clock tower yeah except for maybe the other clock tower <laughs> but he, i don't know every main entry in the clock tower series feels really different from the other ones mm. you know so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of not even true. And then, of course, there's the alt, there's a couple different reboots now, and those are their own, you know, can of worms. Maybe we'll get to one or two of them in 2020. Oh, yeah, dude. We'll, we'll no, see. We're definitely suffering through Night Cry for the amusement of our listeners. I might night die. You gonna. I'm gonna night die. <laughs> well... With that, I think this episode is going to go night-night. Huh? <laughs> huh? Yeah. Uh, um, quickest game club ever, Resident Evil 7. Yeah. Play that RE7, folks. And then uh, we'll keep you updated about next year. Yeah, man. Get on it. Uh, yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, we are going to talk about our favorite off-topic, non-horror, etc. type games of 2019 over on the Zero Brightness Plus show. So yeah. if you want to hear that, patreon.com slash zero brightness. Just give us a dollar. You know. We've got what, almost fifteen episodes up? That's almost fifteen more hours of our bullshit for your your listening pleasure. Yeah. There's just more. There's always more. Don't you want more? It's a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, thanks for listening everyone. We'll see you next year. All right, Dad.